Hallelujah. You believe that tonight? And why don't you turn and high five somebody and say, He set me free. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. Amen. I'm thankful that church isn't some place that you go to raise the dead. It's where you find life. Amen. Amen. So good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. My time is limited, and so I'm going to hurry. Our children are going to slip out, our young people, while they're doing that. Let me um, thank you for being here. I want to give a special thanks to my good friend, Banks Kerr, uh, for being here tonight. A great neighbor and a man that uh, family has been so kind to us. Glad he's here. Thankful that my brother's home tonight. He brought me a, a, a set of plans that's about that big around. And I was so excited when he brought them in. Amen. Hopefully, in the next few weeks, we will be able to move a little further along in our journey. And it has been a journey. And uh, I'm thankful that we've got some persistent people around here. I don't know if you remember this, but a few Wednesday nights ago, I started what I wanted to do as a series on the choices of champions. I think maybe we've been so far gone from that, I might need to go back and redo that one, but I don't have time to do that tonight. But in looking at the book of Hebrews over the last little while, I I began to notice certain phrases that were reiterated over and over again in particular, 13 times in the book of Hebrews. I love Hebrews because it is the book of of better things, better promises, better high priest, uh, better everything, better covenant. And when I begin to look at these, I realize that what our scripture was actually talking about was the, the portrait or the description of an overcomer, someone who uh, faces the challenges and, and, and deals with them. And tonight I want to go to the fourth chapter for very quickly. Um, chapter 3 and 4 is a very complicated uh, set of Scripture if, unless you look at the whole. You can get bogged down really easy in it, but there's some core principles that I want to share with you tonight. In particular, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. The writer said, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Not a rest, but that rest. A particular purpose place that God has for us. So we must labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. My brother shared something with me before service that I thought was so compelling. But the Navy SEALs are considered some of the most strong and resilient men there are in our military. They have to go through rigorous training that would 
would kill most people. There's only a very few that make it through. But this is what they discovered in the study. What they, what they drill in to those men who commit themselves to becoming a Navy SEAL is that your mind will convict you of something that's not true. And this is what they discovered. That when you have done all that your mind can tell you to do, you've only used 40% of your natural energy. And so they pressed them to, to move beyond the, the, the limitations of the human mind and think in a different mind. So that's kind of where I'm going to go tonight. The choice of champions. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. As I said, we began a few weeks ago a look at this, the book of Hebrews and one that I have more and more come to understand is such an accurate description of a true overcomer, a true champion. And when I use the word champion, I, 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 I use it in the biblical sense of, of an overcomer, someone who uh, rises above certain challenges and certain obstacles. And I, I don't know, but I love to read about overcomers. I love to study the lives of men who've done great things because I learn from them, and they're the kind of people that I want to hang out with. I'm not really interested or into hanging out with people that uh, are not headed in that direction. I want to be connected to people that are moving in the direction of overcoming. And the phrase that that I have tried to draw our attention to is the two words, let us. And when I began to examine that, I realized that those two words literally speak to me of my choices. They, they speak of life's choices, that I, I have options in life, that my life is not limited by my fate or pedigree or my genetics or my warped personality, but there, there's something else operating in, in life and in my life. And that is something that calls me to greater and better things. And so the simple truth is that we all have options every day of our life of the direction that we move and of the choices that we make that will make us better or they will take us backward. There, I've learned this much about life. I'm always at a pivotal point of either going up or down. Very seldom is life static. I'm either drawing closer to what God is calling me to be or the man or the person he has called me to be, or I'm moving away from that. There's just very little room for the static life when it comes to to our, our walk with God. And every day I am confronted with choices. They're not all life and death choices, but needless to say, they are taking me somewhere. Every choice that I make is pointing me in a direction and it is helping me either accomplish or it is frustrating the purpose of God in my life. 
And so every day we decide what kind of person we're going to be. Every day we decide what we will believe. And every day we decide what we will serve and what we'll give our life to. And we just, we, we determine every day whom we will follow or what we will follow after and what will influence our lives. And it is a constant war and a constant battle. It's never something that's once and done because life is not like that. There, there, there are many choices that come along life's way and we must ever be mindful of how powerful those choices are that determine our happiness. They determine our character. They determine the joy or the fulfillment that we find in life. They determine whether we will stand or fall. It all rides on the decision that we make of where we're going to build, how we're going to build our life. Jesus used the illustration of the two builders and he talked about the one who built on a rock and one who built on the sand. They both had the same building materials, but one stood and the others did not stand because of the choice of where they determined to build. And so it's not enough just to have the right material. It's not enough to have the right things at my disposal. I I have to be building it on right principles, and I have to be building it on a right foundation and in the right location. And when we studied a few weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, the first choice that I, 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 I've, I've seen that, that an overcomer makes is the choice of the attitude in which he lives his life. He said, let us therefore fear. That's a strange word that is used often in Scripture that is often misunderstood because it is not speaking of dread or being afraid, but it is speaking of, of living life with a reverence and approaching life with a sense of awe that this is the day the Lord hath made. I wanna, I want to enjoy every benefit that God has provided. And so the person who has the, the attitude of an overcomer is going to be one who addresses every day of his life with a certain sense of reverence that this is precious, that time is slipping away and I'm not going to be able to take these hours back so I need to use them wisely and I need to put them into the right channel and I owe myself and my future uh, the commitment to make every day count in my life. You see, we're not owed anything. That's something that's hard for people in our culture to realize because we live in an entitlement mentality that the government owes us something or somebody owes us something. And the truth is life doesn't owe me anything, but it offers me many things. Amen. I want you to get that thought in your mind. It doesn't owe me anything, but it offers me many things. And I cannot waste it, and I don't want to waste it. And so I want to live with an attitude of reverence. I want to be appreciative of what God has given me. I don't want to squander it. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to give it away to the cheapest bidder. 
I don't want to sell myself out to things that are not going to make me a better person, a better husband, a better man, a better woman. I, I want to put myself into those things that will help lift me into a better place. I want to be an overcomer. I, I want to be one of those that stands in the end. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of life. Amen. To be fully appreciative of what God has given us and to fully understand uh, what, what we're trying to get at tonight. We have to, we have to come at life with a certain attitude of reverence and awe that th- this is, this is not a game. This is not uh, a roll of the dice, but this, the eternal matters are being settled and, and determined in, in my life. And that was the first choice. The second one we're going to look at tonight, and I'm trying to hurry because I have, so much to say and so little time to say it in. Or maybe you'll think otherwise when I get through. Maybe I had more time than I had anything to say. But I, to to understand Hebrews 4 and 11, you really have to go back and read chapter 3 and and the beginning part of chapter 4 to really get a glimpse of what what the writer is trying to get at and the, the, really, it's the whole book, as I mentioned earlier, the book of Hebrews is the book of better things, better promises, better day, better way, better sacrifice, better house, better relationship, better altar, all, all those things you'll find throughout the book of Hebrews. But essentially, God reaches back in time to an event, an encounter that happened with his people Israel, and he used that as an illustration, or the writer uses this as an illustration so that when we're trying to live and we're trying to face life, that we don't make the mistakes that they made. And the, he, he was dealing with the, the Israel going into the promised land. And when I think about the promised land that God had prepared for them. In my estimation, it was God's best for them. It was the ultimate. It was where God purposed for them to be. He had to lead them out of Egypt. He had to break the mindset of slavery that was on them. And, and then he was hit, he was leading them toward a land that flowed with milk and honey. And all of those things are types of what the Lord, the, the blessings and the benefits there are in living the, the, the life that God has laid before us. But this passage has to do with God's effort to bring his people into that promise and to bring them into the best that they could experience and literally to bring them into a better life. I mean, for hundreds of years, they had been slaves. They had been uh, working under the heavy uh, taskmasters. And now he had broken them out of Egyptian bondage and he's brought them to this land and the fields are already sown. The vineyards are already there. The fruit is already there for them to experience and enjoy. And all he's trying to do is get them from that place they were to that better life. And it's amazing how hard it is for God to get us there sometimes. It's amazing how difficult it is when all God's trying to do is get me in a better frame of mind or in a better spirit. 
and all the things that he has to contend with in myself, in myself. And so when you look at this passage, you realize that, and, and it, you can easily get bogged down in it. I did today. I, I had about 45 pages of notes at one time. I had to go back through and do a lot of deleting. But God, God had to transition them out of slavery into freedom. That's not an easy task. It, it's easy for us to talk about I'm, a, I'm free. It's another thing to live free. It's one thing to be declared free. It's another thing to live free. And they had been brought out of Egypt. They were now free. They were no longer under the taskmaster of the Egyptian. And yet they in so many ways were still affected by that mentality of Egypt. They were so still affected by what the influences of that place had been. And so God's trying to transition them out. You know, God has a, he's got a job on his hand just moving some of us to a better place. You know, some people's favorite song is, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And all God's trying to do is just get you to ride, you know, come up to a higher place, get, get closer to me. Come on, know more about me. And yet, what all he has to do to get us there, and and uh, and so he's transitioning in, in them, and and it wasn't an easy task. If you read the story, you know the story of Egypt. He he had to deal with a lot of nonsense, and and this is what I I want to reiterate in your mind tonight that though salvation may be an experience of a moment. It takes a lifetime to make a saint. It takes a lifetime sometimes to create an overcomer because God is constantly having to combat and help us combat the things that are trying to keep us from being what God called us to be. And any journey, any journey that is of this nature, it's not going to be the short way. You remember the Old Testament passage? He didn't lead them the short way. He led them the roundabout way. Because there's no shortcut to what God wants, the best things God wants to bring into your life. There's no, you know, rub the genie lamp and it all pop out. And I wake up the next morning and boom, here I am. It's a process. It's a journey. And so all through this journey, God's having to work with them and the writer highlights what one particular incident that God had to deal with in their lives during this transitional place to better things for them. And it had to do with a, a, a whining and complaining spirit that came over them because they were thirsty. And they didn't have water. And so the Bible said they begin to murmur and complain and they begin to accuse Moses of bringing them out into the desert to just die and be skeletons. And the scripture says that the Lord became angry with them. And God spoke to Moses, said, speak to the rock and I'll, I'll give you water. Moses was so mad he struck the rock and caused him problems with God. But the whole point was, God was having to deal with something deeper than just a rock issue or 
It was something deeper than, than, than just a petty whining. There was a, there was something in, internally that was still wrong that he was trying to work on in their life. And, and, and it was being manifest now in their distrust of God that he would bring them out into the wilderness and then he would leave them to die. Their, their, their inability to, uh, to, to believe that if God could do what he did in Egypt, surely he's strong enough to do what's needed now. And so it was the distrust that began to surface. And when distrust comes into our life, right on its heels comes disobedience. And they begin to act in a way that was not pleasing to God. And so disobedience and distrust caused them to miss the blessings of God that they might have enjoyed. God's best at that point was the rest of the promised land. But they missed more than rest. They missed his best. And it all had its roots in this this mind that was unwilling to embrace the fact that God can. God can do anything. God can make a way. There's nothing too hard for God. I am his child. He's going to take care of me. He's going to lead me in the right path. He's going to help me come to the right thing. And so there is in this this battle going on in this wilderness scene a struggle between not just rest, but God's best for them. And so it is with all of us. God has to sometimes battle a lot of things to get us to the best place and the blessed life. And because of that distrust and disobedience, God didn't allow them to enter in. He didn't let Moses go in because of his disobedience. You say, that seems harsh, but this is the reality. We often miss things in life that can make our lives better and blessed because we fail to obey or we fail to trust that he has us in the right place and he knows where we are. Amen. So I'm going to try to help you not let that happen tonight. (laughs) Amen. So that leads me back to the text. He said, let us... Labor, therefore, to enter in. Let us labor, therefore, to enter in. When I read that word, I thought, you know, that doesn't sound right. That, that, that seems out of place. But then when I started digging into the meaning of the word labor, it means to use speed. Now, interesting, not in the sense of moving fast, but in moving in the right direction. Not all movement in life is progress. And this is what I've discovered about people that get into dysfunctional situations in their life. It seemed that the more dysfunctional their situation, the busier they are. But they're not always busy with the right things. They're not always busy doing the right things. And so he said, in light of what they missed because of disbelief and 
and distrust because of what they forfeited because they, they, they missed God's opportunity for the best for their life. He said, let us learn something from that. Let us labor. Let us use speed, not just in moving, but in moving in the right direction. And so I dug a little deeper and I found out that the literal meaning of the Greek word means to be diligent forward. Say that with me. Diligent forward. That indicates to me that there's another direction that you can be diligent. And I've learned this much about my own life. I can be diligent and dumb. So I need to make sure that my diligence, my efforts. You say, I didn't think you had to do anything. The promises of God are free, but they still have to be claimed. They still have to be proclaimed. Amen. Some people just think, okay, God, here I am. (laughs) Come on, bring it on. And God illustrates in Scripture that in order to achieve the best, in order to gain that better life, there is an effort that is involved. There's a labor that is involved. It's, you're not trying. You're not earning your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. But he is saying that you are reaching for the promises. You are reaching to lay claim to everything that God has promised and everything that he said. And you're claiming it and you're assimilating it into your own life. It means to make every effort It means to be earnest, to do diligence, to give diligence, to endeavor, to persist in an effort. Amen. I love, I I, I got to looking at some of the translations and it said, make every effort. Everybody say that with me. Make every effort. It, It says, do your best. Do your best to enter in to these promises. Do your best. Give it all you've got. Amen. Try hard as you can to enter into these blessings and the best that God has for you so that it means that I can be sincere, but I can be sincerely wrong. Amen. I have to constantly ask myself, where is this going to take me? Where is this going to lead me? How is this going to come out? What's the end result? Because the devil is never going to show you the end of anything. All he's going to dangle before you is all of the joy and the pleasure of that moment. But that moment leads to other moments. And so what I need to be concerned of is not just this moment, but what about next month or next year? Can I look back at this choice and can I look back at this time and say, I gave it everything I had. I I put my everything into doing what was right. Amen. Amen. Oh, well. Where... What direction is this moving me? What is it moving me toward? 
And so the choice, this is, this is my convoluted thinking, okay? This is what I come up with. The choice of an overcomer has to do with the mindset that he chooses to live his life with. The mindset. And there's a, there is a mindset that said, you can't do that. You'll never beat that. You're addicted. You're that. You're this or those. And, and we get trapped into these things that our carnal mind tells us that we cannot do. But there's a spiritual mind that's trying to be birthed in us that said, oh, yeah, you can overcome this. This isn't nothing to you and God. This isn't anything for God to help you deal with. Come on. You can make it through all this. Man. So we're talking about the choice of our mindset. What's going to control our thinking and how, what's going to dominate our, our, our diligence and our determination and the direction of our life. It is, it is boiled down to the choice of the mindset. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There's got to be a thinking that leads you in the right direction. There's got to be thoughts that help engender the blessings of God to your life. It's got to lead you in that way. I can't sit here sometime with the mindset that my flesh would come with and say, well, you know what, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough for this. I, I have failed too many times for this. I've got too many marks against me for this. That's the, that's the mind that will tell you you've done all you can do. When the reality is you've only used 40% of your energy. The better part of you is still remaining to be used. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a lot of obstacles, opposition to a better life. I think most of you've learned that. Amen. The enjoyment of God's best is not automatic. There's a striving to gain. There's, there's an overcoming. I have to not overcome God. I have to overcome myself many times. I labor. Earnestness is needed. Diligence is required. Effort is needed because there are so many things set to keep me from enjoying God best, God's best for my life. How many of you understand it takes a lot of focus to keep you focused on the right thing? I mean, anybody have a problem with staying focused? <laughs> Why is that? Why? Because when you can get focused in on the right things, your flesh can't stop you. The devil can't stop you. The world's not strong enough to stop you. You're going you're gonna to move into that relationship or that place with God or that closeness with God. And so it takes a great deal of labor to keep focused, to keep focused on the right thing. I mean, it's a daily challenge because our mind is bombarded by so many options, so many things. The, the battlefield is in the mind if you don't realize that. That's where we win or lose the battles of our life. It's up here. It's between our ears. And it's what the, it's the mindset that we adopt and we embrace and say, you know what? This is what's going to mark my life. I am not going down because I didn't try. 
I'm not going down because I didn't give it my best. I'm not going down because I failed to pour myself into this. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give it my best. A great deal of labor is needed to keep the right priorities. There are so many distractions and so many diversions trying to keep me from being better, living better, enjoying God's best, focusing on what's right, moving in the right direction, keeping the right attitude. Amen. It's a choice of mindset. There are two great cheaters in life. I've mentioned them already. I'm going to go back to them. Two greatest cheaters to the best life God has for you are these two things. Distrust. Distrust. It means a lack of confidence. It means a doubt that leads to question, that leads to hesitation, that leads to loss. When we fail to trust Him, when we fail to trust His Word, when we fail to trust His promises, we will miss His best every time. Amen. Second one is, is, is disobedience. And distrust always leads to disobedience. We refuse to follow. Amen. I don't know how some people think they're going to get to a better place because they, they just refuse to follow. They, they, they refuse to listen. They, they refuse to tune in. And, and we, we blame a lot of reason for it. We blame a lot of people for it. We blame, we got a lot of excuses, but the truth is the reason most often that I am not where I need to be is because I'm not following him. Amen. Conform is another word that is used. Conforming the mind. You know what? You were born with a fleshly mind, but when you were reborn, you were given a spiritual mind. And you better make sure which one of them is operating and which one of them is in charge. Because one of them will keep telling you, you'll never beat it. You'll never overcome that. You'll never be better than that. That's why I'm, I'm very careful about making pronunciations over what I am. I want to make sure I'm declaring good things about what I am. I am an overcomer. Amen. I am an overcomer. So I'm going to close. I'm, I'm going to wrap it all up right now. So what, what's, what, what do we take away from our text tonight? Number one, if you go back and look at the whole story, and I tried to concise it tonight, we have to make sure that our lives are governed by faith, not by fear. When, when Israel allowed fear to slip in and begin to operate in their thinking and in their rationale and their reasoning, they began to move in the wrong direction. They were moving, they, they, they were diligent, but they were diligent backwards, not forward. Amen. So, never underestimate the power of faith in your life. 
Don't just believe, but keep believing. Amen. The devil is more fearful of your faith than he is your face. What by, by face, I mean your personage, your image, who you are. He's not afraid of that, but he's terrified of what faith can do in my life, of where faith can bring me, where faith can lead me, what it can bring into my life, what it connects me to, a power that's beyond this world. Faith still moves God, and faith has to be nurtured. It has to be helped. Sometimes it has to be encouraged. It has to be made to grow. We don't always come into life with great faith. But I've found out that little faith is enough to do great things if you just let it operate. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'd rather have a little faith than no faith. But faith has to be nurtured. It has to be developed. Don't lose the best because you fear your circumstances. Don't miss what God has prepared for you because you fear challenges that are in your life. Because when your mind tells you you've done all you can do, it's only telling you 40% of the story. Amen. There's a spiritual man that says, come on, get up. Let's go on. Let's be better than that. Number two, the second thing is that you have to choose to live by God's word, not your whims. I want to say that again. Choose to live by God's word, not your whims. And if you read the next verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, he goes into describing what the word of God is. And how powerful it is. And he goes in to the awesomeness of God's word to our life. He said it is quick. That means it's alive. This isn't a dead book. These aren't just dead letters on, a, on black and, and white. This is a living organism. This is something that every time I go back to it, I find fresh insight and revelation and encouragement. It's quick. It's powerful. It's powerful. It, it can break any barriers. It can break any, anything that holds us. It can liberate us from anything that tries to restrict. The word of God is powerful. And not only that, but it's so sharp. It, it's sharp. It, 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 it's, it's like a razor knife. And it is so sharp that it can dissect. Get right down to the real problem. Amen. He cut away. He he gets it, it gets right down to what the real issue is. But it's better than that. It's a discerner. Without even raising that scaffold, the word can discern where I am. And if I'm prayerful, 
maybe this will blow your mind, but if I'm, if I'm trying to walk with God, I believe that word is so powerful. It's a discerner of where I am. And when I open it, it will help me go to the right place to find the inspiration and the help. I've seen it happen too many times. I've, I've seen it happen in your lives and in my life that when I needed the most, I just opened it and I started reading and that word, it discerned. That's, that's me. This is where I am. That's what's so powerful about the word. That's why you cannot let life determine your choices. You've got to let the word determine my choice. You've got to let faith operate in your life and you've got to let it lead you and direct you into those things that God has for you. Amen. Well, I'm through. Let's stand. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. The anatomy of an overcomer the portrait of an overcomer, the picture of, of a conqueror and a champion is someone who understands the power of a mindset. Amen. I want my mind pointed in the right direction. I want it, I want it reaching for the right things. That's why I want to be careful what I fill my mind with. That's what I want to be careful that I, I even listen to because I've learned this much about life. All it takes is one little distraction. One little distraction. And the next thing you know, your mind is somewhere in another place entertaining thoughts that are not even good for you. Amen. That's why you've got to go back. Go back to the Word. Go back to the book. Get down before the Lord in prayer and say, God, I need you to strengthen me. Strengthen my faith. Amen. I want to I want to operate in the amount of faith that I have right now, but if it's not enough, help me to not give up until it is enough. Amen. I believe you for little things, but I want to trust you for great things. Amen. I believe God is trying to get all of us to a better place tonight. But I think he's got a lot of challenges sometimes. I think he has to deal with a lot of conflicting interest and a lot of competing interest. Amen. And I want to say it again. If I fail in life, I don't want to fail because I didn't try. I don't want to fail because I didn't give it my best. If I go down, and I say that carefully because I'm not going down. I've never seen anybody that he's been with that's ever gone down. Amen. But if I were to go down, it would not be because I'm not going to give it everything. I'm not going to give God every opportunity he can to help me be a better person. Hallelujah. I'm going to give him every chance. That's why coming to church is so important because I I not only want to just read the word at home, but I want to come together with the fellowship of his people. And I want to, that's going to help sharpen me and make me a better person. Man, turn to your neighbor and say, he's trying to get you to a better place. Amen. He is. Do you have the mind for it? Do you have the mindset? For that better place. Amen. I want, to, I want to be known as an overcomer. Amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him a little praise right now. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen.
I've not always done it, but I want my life to always be moving toward the best that God has. Amen. Every day that I live, every step of my life, I want my life directed in that right direction. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God's good all the time. Amen. Would you do that? God's good all the time. And remind him one more time, he's trying to get you to a better place. Amen. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.